Welcome to the Real Uniting Church podcast with Scott and Marty. In this series, we go in search of the core identity of the Uniting Church in this its 40th year and where we might go in the years to come. Join us. Today we have Steve Monkington, aka Monk, and Emma Holmes with us to explore what it means to be a young person in the Uniting Church. Malk grew up as part of the Dubbo Uniting Church and was given lots of opportunities as a young person. That really formed his faith and now he wants to help others have a similar experience. Malk now works for the Queensland Synod in the new role as Digital Youth Discipleship Project Officer. If you want to know what that means, make sure you stay tuned until the end of the podcast. Emma, however, is a young adult from the Gap Uniting Church in Brisbane. She runs kids, youth and young adult programs in her own church and teaches Sunday school. And in all her spare time, she helps coordinate the Morton Rivers Presbytery Young Adult Group called Church and Rec, which is for upper high schoolers as well as young adults post-school. Emma, that sounds like a really important thing for that group of people. Yeah, it's a really cool group that we are able to and grow that it has that transition between school and not school and often there's a bit of uncertainty there and often not always something at church that you can go to kind yeah. of drop off so yeah so when i was in year 11 that friday night youth group was like duster hockey chalk chasers uh roller skating is that the kind of stuff that you do not quite no. um. <laughs> we're not in the 80s anymore <laughs> that's more the junior uh, younger youth oh, okay. group yeah don't worry that's all still yeah. happening oh good um, but we kind of have a bit of a den underneath the Morton Rivers Presbytery office in Ashgrove and um, we've got lots of couches and everything and we kind of had lots of chill nights, so play board games. We Part of the night is getting dinner ready and, um, and then we share in the meal and have a chat together. So it's a really fun, relaxed evening. So, yeah. And it happens there at the Presbytery office yes, in the den it does. Yeah, than underneath. The yeah. yeah. So people come from all around, all over the place? Yeah, um, we've got... It's sort of a presbytery group. We've got quite a number of young people from a different range of churches. So, yeah, it's cool. So, so I wonder, let me ask this question to all of us. What is a young adult? What is a young adult? Because it used to be a young adult was 18 to 22, maybe. Now it seems like it's 18 to 42, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When we talk about youth and young adults, who are we talking about? Like, who, who are those people? I'm not one. Okay. Is it an think, age thing? I is think there's only one in the room. <laughs> yeah, in the truest sense, right? If we talk about demographics, it does kind of top out around that 23 to 25 age group. Yeah. That said, I'm 43 and I'm not a young adult, but probably mentally I fit somewhere under that. <laughs> um, it, it's They're a weird group, particularly for the Uniting Church, because... There are pockets of them, but they almost feel like cabals in that they're not hidden away, but they exist and not many people know about them that are older than that age group. That's that's my impression. What about you? Do you how do you find connecting with other young adults in the United Church? Yeah, that's a tricky... Well, I don't know if it's tricky. It's interesting thought. Um, I guess at the gap we have like a handful of young adults but really where i felt connected is on a presbytery level we've got um a presbytery young adult group and you know it's definitely broader than just one church i feel is kind of how things have gone i think that's the same you know bremen brisbane run uh that kind of project around 
gathering around Oscar on a Sunday night once a quarter, I think it is. Mm-hmm. What what matters to young adults and young people right now? What what matters? What's important? Netflix, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Beyonce's twins. Um, maybe that's just me. <laughs> that's beautiful. I don't know, but it's real, isn't it? That's like, yeah. Young adults, just like the rest of us, are interested in what's happening in the world around them. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing that is they have the most uh, amount of spare time. Although people like Emily here fill it up, (laughs) Um, doing you know doing things that they're interested about. They have the most amount of disposable income they're ever going to have in their life. That's the reality of life. They've also, got access. Awesome. They've also got access to more information than any of us have ever had in our lives. Yeah. And that's only increasing day by day thanks to the proliferation of smartphones and that it is a rare young adult that you would find that doesn't have one, you know, welded to some part of their body. For a lot of the reasons that Emma spoke about, there's a connection to uh, media, there's a connection to the... Um, artists or, or the things that we're interested in in popular culture and we can access them at lightning speed just out of a little square box mm-hmm. that could have put a hundred Apollos on the moon. Yeah. So Steve, in your role as Digital Youth Discipleship Officer, where do you see the church missing in that space? Broadly speaking, I think the church hasn't kept up with what's happening as far as digital community and, and that kind of connection. And, and I know that for some people there's um, an expectation that that's just, pardon me, just social media. And I, I think it's a little more broad than that, but absolutely that's a primary way that young people communicate. The way that they... and, and Because people look at them and they're always poking and talking and things and fingers on phones and stuff. The, and, and so I'll, uh, look at look at young people today. You know, they have no sense of community and no sense of understanding how to communicate. When nine and a half times out of ten, what they're doing on their screen is communicating with other people at the end of whatever service it is that they're using, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is. There's real humans. It's not. It's not. I'll just post it on a thing and someone somethings. No, we're actually after real interaction in that context. And while the church has this excellent understanding of community in a real life sense, in a physically let's sit down and share and talk and help and those things, when we extend that community into the digital realm, kind of gets a bit lost because a lot of people go, I don't understand what that is, how it works, who's even on there, what's Facebook, all of those kinds of things. Emily, you talked a little bit about church and rec, you know, having the meal at the centre of it and being a physical hangout space, a community Mm -hmm. that gathered on a Friday night. How does that connect with the kind of digital extension? Is there a virtual kind of church and rec where people are kind of connecting away from Friday nights? Um, I mean, we have a Facebook page, which is mostly just the three of us leaders posting random kind of news and gifts and kind of things like that, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's call it news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> random Beyonce's tweets. Oh. The pressing stuff, stuff that everyone needs to know. Yeah. Mm. Um, Please and thank you. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we have tried to sort of grow the conversation. Um, it hasn't really taken, I don't really feel like our Facebook group 
like reflects the community that we have going on. Yep. Um, I think part of that is we were in a little bit of a transition um, the beginning of this year because we went from being um, under a manual to joining with the gap. So we have yep. um, some new families that go from being very like, um, you know, we talk to parents um, and communicate with parents. And now it's sort of transitioning between that like email out each week to trying to engage them online. Um, so we're still working on the online stuff a bit. Um, we have tried, but um, it's a work in progress. Yeah. I guess you guys are, you're in that in-between space that, you know, if some of you are young people that are coming are only 15 or 16, so mm. you're not necessarily communicating with adults in that legal sense there. So you've, you've got to kind of mediate that through family. Um, yeah. Communicating through parents of, of particularly your younger kids, is that? Yeah, that definitely, um, you know, trying to find that balance and, yeah. you know, safe ministry and everything yeah. like that comes into play as well. So it's a really interesting kind of mix in that yeah. the real life community that is Church and Rec uh, is a vibrant connection that's, that's very tangible when these guys meet on Friday nights. And uh, the, you know, the extension of the do we need to have, you know, a, a digital connection really opens up stuff that is, well, we have those informally anyway. You know, a lot of people in the group are Facebook friends with each other anyhow or follow each other on Instagram or the things. So the ability to, to transmit the information in that context can be somewhat organic. It's also a growth opportunity in that from a church perspective, I know a lot of people differentiate to say, well, there's a digital thing and, a, and an yeah, in real life thing. Yeah. And what I'm seeing more and more, particularly with the youth and young adults, is that there is no differentiation. It's oxygen and, and they will flip between, if we call it platforms, I know that's not a real easy way to explain it, but the, the factuality of standing in front of someone and texting them or doing the thing, both can happen at the same time in the same place as easily as each other. So one of the, I guess, metaphors or concepts that helped me get a little handle on this is to think about those of us, me, for example, and people older than me who have grown up with real world as our native language and the digital stuff's been like learning a second language. So, mm -hmm. and I'm never quite as comfortable in it as English, if that makes sense. When I look at my kids who are 15, 13, um, some of their friends and then, you know, it seems to me like it's digital is a first language. The distinction between digital and real makes no sense at all to me because it's all just life and communication. Is that kind of how it is? Is, you know, for what you know, Steve, and what you live, Emma is, you know, is the virtual just a native language? I would say so. Yeah, it's definitely like you know they talk about like in real life and stuff, but like it's all real. Like, yeah. yeah. It's still making connections with people. It's still talking to others. Um, it's just different ways of doing it. So yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah. yeah. It is. I I can completely understand parents of youth and young adults and their grandparents or people that fit in between that, that broad mix, finding it difficult to understand how to relate to or interact with youth and young adults these days because of that kind of second language mm -hmm. stuff. Some people have worked very hard to improve their skills and, mm -hmm. and to become um, basic speakers mm -hmm. of this language. Uh, others understandably feel overwhelmed by it because mm -hmm. it is just a whole other thing and it's a part of my brain that I can't, warm up or get, you know, like you're trying to start a car with a flat battery. It just it isn't going to work and I don't know how to jumpstart it. Yeah. I'm constantly impressed by elderly, you know, church people mm. who have managed to master Facebook and engaging with us on the Synod 
Facebook page. If we want to, we the church want to be serious about making those connections with people who are under the age of 25 or 30, then we need to be serious about educating ourselves and pushing hard to learn this other language uh, so that the interactions and the opportunities become more natural and become more um, less clunky in that process. Uh, can I ask the discipleship question? What, what, how, you know, in the old days, someone learning to be a disciple, you went to Sunday school, you went to youth group, you went on camps, you learned some stuff, and then, you know, as you became magically an adult, you just transitioned into home groups and, you know, whatever. But how do, how do young people today... Jeez, I sound like an old man. <laughs> how, do, how do those really young old. people today... Oh, um, yeah, how do we do discipleship now for, a, for an 18-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old? What does is, what is, what is growing to be a follower of Jesus look like? Yeah, that's a tricky question. I'm not even sure what it looks like for me. At, at church at the moment, we're actually looking at starting up a, a new service for young people because there just wasn't... We were, it was found that there just wasn't really anything for us. So I think definitely... You mean like a worship service? Or? Yeah, okay. um, because we kind of... Uh, we had consultations last year and kind of took a step back and thought about what we actually are involved in, what we actually do and how we grow ourselves um, in our faith. And um, there's not... if Unless we're involved in like helping run something or lead something or doing something, is there's not a whole lot actually there for us. Okay. Um, so I think that's why there is a bit of, you know, going to different denominations, other churches, because it's just trying to find what suits for, you know, each individual. So I think there's definitely a lot of transitions and a lot of processes at the moment, I think. It's like an interesting space. Yeah, yeah. Mark, what... what? What is digital discipleship? That's in your job title, so you have to know what discipleship looks like. Well, well yeah, and, and at least make up what digital discipleship looks <laughs> like. Well, that's right. It, it's an interesting challenge because I think Emma is right. There's definitely the in-real-life element to it. You know, We have to um, be a part of community, and, and for some people that entirely exists in a digital connection and a digital realm, and for some people that splits between the two or opens up where I'm a part of a physical faith community where there's something that's going to meet our need in that regard. Um, I would also hazard that there's probably um, things that you listen to, Emma, or things that you watch or that you may not realise but are helping you grow and form your faith and understanding of your relationship with Jesus simply because we have opportunity to be able to see and hear those things. Uh, and what I mean is that, you know, 2017, we have the opportunity to hear hundreds of preachers get up and do their thing every week. Uh, lots of churches podcast their sermons or they, they video cast them or whatever. We can go and access and do all of those sorts of things. So the attraction primarily to come to church just because I want to hear somebody teach me something or speak at me can't be the primary hook. Now, we may go, oh, but Steve, it has to be a corporate thing and those kinds of opportunities. Well, we can do that even still in a, in a digital context. Those private moments, however, just within ourselves, with God listening to some music or, or connecting in a way that we normally would, you know, through maybe a private Bible study or that kind of thing, can be exactly the same moment. So it's really down to your consumption of media and what you do and how you reflect on it. There is absolutely still a place for us to be accountable with each other, but that doesn't mean we have to be sitting in the same room for that to be the case. So that opportunity to build a small group connection or develop a study opportunity, whether it's through things like 
um, intentional, let's sit down now and read Malachi. Or, you know, at Church and Rec, we might talk about, hey, I heard this or read this in the Bible the other day or blah, 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 whatever that is. Those opportunities still allow all of us, and particularly young people, uh, to, to grow and be developed in their faith through their interactions and through ideally what is just as easy and as simple as them watching something on Netflix. And that's where the church needs to be aware and offer and provide content that challenges and grows uh, and is also shareable for young people to be able to have conversations with their friends who maybe don't want to talk about Jesus in a way that is non-threatening or even possibly quite confronting. This year is the 40th anniversary of the Uniting Church. My how we've grown. My how we have grown. <laughs> What did you say? My how we've not grown. No, my oh. how we have oh, grown. Oh, you cynic. Mr. Guy. Just check. <laughs> um, what's it going to look like in 40 years' time? I mean, looking around the room, even Emma will be pretty old by then. So old. So old. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you will technically be older than any of us. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> any of us aren't now. Yes. <laughs> oh, you know, not, yeah, not you won't overtake us. No. No. Um, what's it going to look like? I hope it doesn't look the same as it does now, because if it does, it's not going to exist. That's a really fair question, Marty. When we take into account some of the just numbers, basic numbers around the way the church has changed, the United Church, particularly in the last 40 years, if that trend continues, it's diabolical in the yeah. next 40 years' time. Um, for the church, and I guess this is where we get to have our own midlife crisis. We get to reflect on what have we done, where have we come from, what are the things that have made us, and how are we going to persist in the work of God. Um, and that could mean a whole bunch of things. I, I don't pretend to be someone who can see the future. That said, I do offer that I have hopefully a better insight than some around the youth and young adults that are wanting to do stuff with Jesus and how they want to be a part of that change and be connected and, and involved in church life. And how at the moment, some of them find that pretty difficult because whether it's gatekeepers, whether it's lack of opportunity, whether it's a lack of self-esteem, whether it's they can't seem to find the right way to engage or connect in, all the things that are commonplace to them are so foreign to organised church that there's just this dissonance between we don't we the church don't know how to support or engage them with that. And, and part of that then leads to the world, we don't have to be brand connected, we can just go to church, and that's totally cool. I mean, ultimately the end result is people being in relationship with Jesus. That's a win. If we're going to be brand protective or, or want to see the United Church be a part of that change and, and part of the growth of the kingdom of God, then we need to be really serious and intentional about how we encourage young people in ministry, whether that's full-time or lay. Uh, whether We need to be seriously intentional about how we mentor and encourage young people because we haven't done that super great. Um, and, and there's lots of things that we have done in the past that are amazing that we may have dined out on for just a little bit too long. So that revolution that happened maybe took a bit of a holiday and we need to fire it back up. What do you reckon, Andy? I don't know. I was going to say, I mean, I can see the future, but uh, <laughs> no. We'll have church in space. We'll have on Mars. Um, 40 years should be at Mars by then. Yeah, that's, that's, pretty, 
hope so. Um, I don't know why I hope that, like, that has no relevance to me at all. Um, I don't know. It's so hard to know. Just things are changing, I mean, all the time and yes. so fast. And even, like, is social media going to be a thing? Like, mm. there's just so many different... Yeah, yeah 10 years ago, Facebook didn't exist. Yeah. And yeah. now it's such a part of, well, such a part of my life. Mm. What, what do you wish church looked like now? Um, I don't know. I think Margaret, you raised a good question about how like people can just listen. There's like an endless library of resources that you can access to grow your faith. So I think people, like young people, don't necessarily go to church to hear a sermon or, you know, like there's a real, it's about community and building that community. So I'm not sure. Um, I think, I think that's a pretty critical statement. I mean, really important, I think. Like the, the notion that, you know, high quality content we can get from anywhere, but the, the experience of community, of connectedness, is, is that, am I yeah. interpreting correctly? Yeah, yeah, like definitely. It's that, that draws people. Yeah, and I think so. I think everyone, I mean, generally speaking, like yeah. everyone wants to feel that sense of belonging. elephant in the room that young people are sick of people still talking about and what does Malk actually do all this and more coming up on this episode of reuniting church podcast let, let me put the same question to you Malk. this time i want to invite you to put your, your father hat on sure so not only are you the digital discipleship project officer for the center but you're a dad yeah uh, of kind of teen and pre-teen a couple of young kids so, you know, fast forward maybe just three or four years. Yep. What do you want the church, your local church, uh, kind of day-to-day, week-to-week life there to offer for your kids? There's already that passion there. In my kids, let alone the young adults and the young people that we see around us, they're just ready to go. And, and part of the thing that, that kills me is that because the passion already exists, it's not a new thing. It's not like next week you'll meet Jesus. Now, he's been working with Emma and the likes for their entire lives. So they're ready to do stuff. And they can only sort of ask so many times before, well, if you're not going to give me a chance or if you're not going to let me do or, or you know, line it up, I'll either go over here and do it myself or I'll go and connect with someone else that's going to do that and invest in me that believes in me like that. So I, I want to see my kids be given those kinds of opportunities as well as be absolutely challenged about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What are the elephants in the room for young people, young adults particularly? Are there issues that that you're sitting in church or you know, you're at a meeting and you hear people arguing about something and you're like, I just don't care. This is so irrelevant to my life or you know, the world. What are those issues that for maybe older people is a massive, massive deal and for younger people they're like, why are we still talking about this? I have many opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, a huge thing is, um, you know, marriage equality and acceptance from the church 
Um, I think that's one of the key things that young people today care about and it's not necessarily if, uh, you know, you don't want to go somewhere that doesn't include everyone. I think that that's a big thing. And because um, I think, you know, people, like, I, I feel that people my age, generally speaking, obviously, um, <laughs> um, you know, they just, like, it's just a no-brainer. Like, why can't we just accept everyone? And so I think that, you know, people are hesitant to speak out about their faith because there's so much in the media and, and it comes back to that, um, you know, like being able to access anything. It's interesting, isn't it, that for young people who aren't connected, aren't talking to us, aren't wanting to be involved in church, if we take our sample of one's response, their view is actually one that's really missionally minded. It's about caring about everyone and making sure that we are actually looking out for the people who are downtrodden or the people who are being ostracised or removed from a position of power where they should be connected or they should be welcomed. Mm. You know, God didn't say, here's my love and only if you're in the club you get it. It's everybody. Come at me, you know. So to that end, I think that it, there are a bunch of issues that when you talk to young adults, particularly around what are the things that are important to them, it, it almost becomes the the inequality of resource sharing, the inequality of um, relationship, the inequality of how we perceive other people within our society, that they just look at it and go, why are we arguing about this? So last question from me. Um, the United Church in Queensland last year uh, decided that engaging uh, children, youth and families, and by extension young adults, was one of our five top priorities for the next five years. This is what we've said as a church. So my question is, what over the next five years, what do, what do you see as the biggest, best opportunity that sits in front of us as a church when it comes to thinking about engaging? Let's, let's just say younger generations. Uh, we can talk all day about the problems and the challenges. I'm interested in what's the opportunity. Like, what's our best opportunity here to engage everybody in a meaningful way? Just have a moment of silence for contemplate the clunkiness of that question. Nah, see, I was going to jump straight in because I don't think much before I engage. <laughs> uh, Do it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm really lucky in that the role that I'm in, I get to be um, an advocate for, for youth and young adults in the church. And kind of just, I get to jump up and shout from a, pre, a position of power and platform and go, hey guys, they're here still. They're actually still involved in the church. Remember these guys? Let's, let's give them a run, not, and not in a tokenistic way, but actually let's see what they have to offer because we have this incredible wealth of young people within the United Church still that for some reason still choose to associate with us that have these amazing gifts and skills and things that they bring to the table in their professional lives that for some reason we're just blind or blinking to not see. They've got so much to offer us. The flip side is I get to talk to youth and young adults and say, hey guys, your faith, you know, the things that, that we hear about is that you want something that's real, something that's tangible. So it becomes a conversation around authenticity and integrity. The way that you live your life doesn't just stop in the living, breathing oxygen land, but that the digital world and life that you have, that has to be consistent. If, if you want to be serious about Jesus, then the comments that you leave on Instagram, the messages you send on Facebook, the pictures that you send on Snapchat, 
have to be reflective of this life that you claim to have with Jesus. There are plenty of examples that we can cite across the generations of people who are happily going to front up a church, sit front and centre, uh, and then pull out their phone and go, oh, I hate it when such and such leads a church because they always pick songs that I don't like. Where's the consistency in that? How are we being real, living that faith out in this context? So as a part of my project, I've developed um, or building this community called Redfish 2, which is intentionally for young people within the United Church and who are really, honestly, whoever comes knocking. That's going to be challenging. That's going to be committed to each other and to wanting to be challenged by what Jesus has to say to us. Uh, and that's extending into all of the social platforms where young people are. There's no point kind of going, so I've set up this service and people can come and talk to me and it'll be great. Because that'll work for anybody that lives in a specific area of Queensland. Yeah. So it, it broadens the scope. It allows us to connect with the young people from Mount Isa, the young people from Roma, the young people from yeah. Queen, uh, Rockhampton, the Gap, you know, Gold Coast, everywhere can all come and be a part of this. So and tell in and out as much as they need to. So Breadfish 2, T-double-O. T-double-O. People can track you down. Oh, track down the community everywhere they go. And it's, it's Breadfish two. very new. We've just launched it. Uh, and it is, I'm not going to say self-determining because there's a very clear vision around how we want it to play out, how we encourage young people to engage in that. And, and Emma spoke about some of the frustration in getting them to connect and engage. That's a journey in and of itself. You know, if we see that reflecting people in congregations, how do we take them from someone that just turns up to being an active and valued participant yeah, yeah. in the yeah. process? That's just going to be time and effort. So now I have another question. When we talk about engaging young people, younger generations in ministry, I think what's implicit in that, and I think it was probably implicit in my question, is what kind of church will we, the older, more experienced, more grown up people, design for them? Like, what will we do to them or to, with, you know? And I think what you've reminded me of is, I guess, the chance to co create that what would, what would young people design for themselves if we just kind of turned the keys to the church over to uh, a whole different generation and said, you know, make this church uh, what it needs to be right now. Not what I want it to be, what I think you need it to be, but does that make sense? Yeah, water slides and sloping machines. Water slides and sloping machines. Yeah. yeah. Water slides with sloping machines at the top. Water slides that are made by sloping machines. Yes. Oh, 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 that'd be cold. <laughs> I'm going to start with. It's summer. Yeah, it's true, true. Like, it's true. Right. Yeah, true. Yeah. Like really epic zip lines and stuff too. <laughs> Clubhouses, <laughs> tree houses, delivery communion party. by robot. Good coffee. Yes. Please. No. There is no there's not enough minutes in the There's nothing wrong with international roast. Oh, stop I disagree. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the desert and Satan's tempted. <laughs> this is outrageous. <laughs> I wanna ask Emma the question that yeah. Scott asked previously, which is what's the opportunity that we're not seeing because we're all old? I really think it's valuing young people, even like kids, teenagers, young adults, value, valuing them as current members of the church, not the future of the church. Not one day they'll be us, but right now they are valued members of the church and they're just as important as someone much older or, you know, that everyone should be valued members of the church, not the future of the church. Um, it's not the Uniting Church of the future, it's Uniting Church now. So what does that look like in practice? Um, I think... Acceptance, 
tolerance, but that tolerance goes both ways. Um, Better music? Or yeah. different music? Yes. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I just got a cough. We um, had a congregational meeting yesterday and the, the organ was mentioned. Um, but, you know, so I think that tolerance goes both ways, you know. Yeah, like the better music, I think, is an important thing. But I think young people need to understand that everyone feels connected to God in so many different ways. So I think that, but that understanding is really important for everyone. Um, being listened to, smell thing. Within the church, we look at the gospel message having never changed, and that's the truth. There's no issue around that. Jesus still died for our sins because we separated ourselves from God so that we can come into a relationship with him. Sweet. Now we've solved the world's problems. What next? Young people, and, and I have to start to separate youth and young adults at this point, just through developmental age and understanding and how they process information. Um, young adults are at that early point, they're called young adults because they're able to understand really kind of dangerous topics and, and give it shades of grey and, and experience and, and start to learn and process the information like that. Youth are, are very binary and, and how they need to understand and what they do. So the image and the, in, the information that we present to them in that context it helps us if we understand these reasonably, I'll call them simple, but there are educators that know these things way better than I, these simple concepts so that then we start to see, well, what's the attraction? Why are young people who are after black and white answers wanting to come to a place which when we call it black and white starts to get pretty murky and, and pretty, people become resistant to things. And I think a few places that have started to, to see a good way to do this is to actually flip it on, on its head and go, you know what, the reason why young people are attracted to the gospel message is because that black and whiteness, that clear sense of purpose and direction is actually an opportunity for them to rebel against absolutely everything. They have this opportunity to say, the world is trying to tell me and sell me these things. And Jesus is saying it's actually really simple. We overcomplicate stuff. So if we can get them attracted to this, this revolutionary man that was Jesus Christ and help them get on board with this idea that I want to fight the power. The power isn't, well, sometimes it can be institutional church, but the power isn't Jesus that we want to fight against. The power is that which seeks to see the message of Christ diminished. I mean, that's something young people are going to get behind just because they want to rail against something serious. And, and that becomes a huge opportunity for church. Emma, Mole, thank you so much for hanging out with us this afternoon. Breadfish 2 is the community, so you can find Breadfish 2. Yeah, we're everything. Everything. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We're in your faces. In real life. In, in, in actual life. human form. Uh, if you are, you know, perhaps with me on the wrong side of 35, let me invite you as a result of hearing this conversation today, go find some young person and go and have a coffee with them or send them a message and have a conversation about what matters to them. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today at Weird United Church. Mm -hmm.